Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Hey guys, welcome to Branch Life Church. My name is Josh. Glad you could join us as we continue in our series called Follow the Leader. This is week three, and today we're talking all about faith over fear. You're not going to want to miss it. Hey, if this is your first time joining us, thanks for, thanks for checking in. Thanks for logging in. We hope today will be an encouragement to you. We'd love to send you a gift. We have this Matthew journal uh, that we can send your way. All you need to do is fill out the online connection card, which is being linked in the chat next to you, or you can find it at branchlife.church. Let us know that you worshiped with us today online, whether it's Sunday or any day of the week. Uh, check in, and if you give us your email address, we'll be able to contact you about how to best get you this journal. Uh, we are so thankful to all of you who give on a regular basis to Branch Life Church. God is on the move. We're continuing our help and assistance here in the Pottstown area and renovating our new campus so that we can be ready in the fall as we have our community grand opening. If you're local, we'd love for you to join us September 12th just for that. Well, we are running a full steam ahead through our Matthew study in this series that we're calling Follow the Leader, and we hope that today will strengthen your connection to Christ so we together can go and reach our world. Thanks for being with us. Let's dive right in. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. We're actually going to get through chapter 8 and into chapter 9 today. If you're using your journals, we're on pages 42 through 44. We're in this series called Follow the Leader, where we're learning and hearing all about people and places, people and things that follow Jesus and what difference it made for them and what a difference it can make for you. The invitation is open. We want you to follow Jesus. And for some of you, you're exploring that as an option. Some of you are already all in. And some of you have said, no, thank you. We think that there's something here for everyone, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Today, we're going to be talking about storms, demons, and faith. So there's a lot to get to, so we're going to jump right into it now. So if you have your Bibles, jump to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at this first story which says that the wind and waves follow Jesus. This is our first story in this series of stories about who decided to follow Jesus, where it's not a person following Jesus, but it's nature. 
This is the natural world around us following this person named Jesus. And in this story, the wind and waves follow Jesus. And you, again, can find it in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verses 22 through 27. And here's how it starts. It says, And when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, for we are perishing. All right, so this, just wrapping up the story so you kind of understand it. This is back in Bible times. They're getting in a boat, which isn't like a boat that you and I would get in. Uh, my kids and I were just down at Ocean City, New Jersey for a few days this last week, right on the bay side. And there was a boat called the Wild Child, which was a gray and black camouflage boat that was like, three stories high, had another little boat on top of the bow, and it was one of those yachts that travels around the world. It's really super fancy. Jesus was not getting into one of those. He was getting into a little wooden boat that kind of fit him and possibly his 12 disciples. They probably used it for fishing. It may have had a pole in the middle or the front for a sail to come down. It was a rickety boat. They weren't also just getting into a lake. They were getting into the Sea of Galilee or or a, a large body of water, large enough to be affected by storms. When the storm came, the waves would be substantial. These would be waves that would come over the bow of the boat. And here they are out in the middle of the sea. They can't see land anymore. And this storm comes on them. And naturally, all the disciples just start freaking out, right? Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Somebody do something. So they decided to wake up Jesus, who was sleeping through the storm. Look at this comparison, right? One person is sound asleep at perfect calm, perfect confidence, not a care in the world. And everybody else freaking out. Have you ever been there where you decided to freak out about life? Where you just had that moment where you didn't know what was coming next, you got bad news, and you just started freaking out? It Maybe it was one of those times where you had to take your head and put it between your legs and just breathe. I remember being outside uh, uh, closing a car door, and I, I have closed car doors millions of times like all of you, but for whatever reason, this time my hand decided to stay inside the car, and my body got out, and I shut the door anyway right on my own fingers. So all my hand is just extremely, uh, extremely uh, stuck in this car and I yank it out and it hurts and everything's throbbing and there's shock going on in my body and I, I started to feel like I was going to pass out and I was getting a little wobbly and this, this lovely lady who's a good friend of our family saw the whole thing happen. She came, she put her arm around me. She said, all right, Josh, I just want you to sit down. I'm like, I don't think, I think I'm going to die. I think my fingers, I'm going to bleed to death. And she's, she's calming me down. She's, here's what you need to do. You need to sit down and you just need to put your head between your legs and breathe in breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And all of a sudden I found myself just concentrating on my breath and it calmed me down. These disciples were having that freak out moment. These waves were crashing over their boat. They thought it was going to tip, tip over. This was a life and death situation for them. Yet Jesus was just sleeping peacefully. So of course Jesus wakes up and he looks at his disciples and he says to them, why are you afraid? What are you scared of? Oh, you of little faith. This is one of those stories where Jesus is pointing out a common phrase that you'll hear now today, faith over fear. In this moment, the disciples were putting fear 
over their faith, but Jesus had his faith over fear. You see, Jesus knew something that the disciples had forgot or they hadn't seen yet or they hadn't realized. And it was that he is more powerful than the storm. If he is who he says he is, if he is the son of man, if he is the prophesied Messiah, if he is the miracle worker of miracle workers, there is no problem for him. Do you think that God would send Jesus down to save the world just to have him die on a boat in the middle of the sea right when he was getting started? Of course not. And Jesus knew that. He had faith in God. He had, he had faith that there was a plan. He had faith in God's power and confidence. And so his faith was over his fear. The disciples, on the other hand, were in pure panic. They're freaking out. They didn't want to die. Their lives were flashing before their eyes. They were writing goodbye notes to their loved ones. Did you join us last week? Pastor Scott gave us a great conversation on last week's passages. It told, told us about Peter taking Jesus to see his mother-in-law. You know what I realized in that moment? Peter had a mother-in-law. Of all the disciples, Peter was married and he had a mother-in-law who decided to follow Jesus. Man, there's some encouraging thoughts there about taking Jesus to your family and your friends and seeing them follow Jesus. That's awesome and that's amazing. But maybe Peter in this moment is like, I got to write my wife. I got to tell her I love her. Maybe someone will get this message. He was shuffing it into a bottle and throwing it into the sea. And Jesus is like, guys, you have little faith. And so he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Imagine it for a moment. Jesus stands up on the bow of the boat. The storm is raging. The lightning is flashing. The waves are crashing, and he raises his hand, and he says, be calm. I don't know if he said it like Moses parting the sea, be calm, but maybe he just whispered it, be calm. I feel like he was more like, be calm, right? He, he yells over top of the storm and, and all of a sudden everything calms down. The wave, the, the lake immediately becomes glassy like first thing in the morning when you're drinking your coffee out by your mountain lake house. I wish I had a mountain lake house. And it's just as glassy as possible. And, and there wasn't a wind in the sky and the rain stopped falling and the boat just began to cruise forward at a normal pace. Tranquility. Not coincidence. Storms don't just immediately stop on the spur of the moment. You don't go from waves washing over your boat to complete calmness. The winds and the waves obeyed Jesus. So what do we do with this? How do we, how do we take this instruction and, and how do we learn from it? Now, I can just simply say what we learn in this moment is when you have faith, you can be calm. Whatever your storm is and whatever, whatever's come into your life, if Jesus would stand to it and Jesus would rebuke it, if he would say this to your soul, be calm. Would your soul listen to Jesus? The waves and the winds listen to Jesus, but do we? Yet how many times in our lives do we allow fear to overcome our emotions, our faith, and our beliefs? Now we all have fears. It's no small secret that one of my greatest fears is sharks. We've just come through my national holiday, Shark Week, where I, my greatest fear becomes my greatest fascination. I, I have the tattoo to prove it, that, that you know, sharks are, it's not a real tattoo, don't freak out. If I was going to get a real tattoo, it would be a shark thing all the way up and down my arm, maybe someday. But I, I have this fear of sharks, and, and I, 
I have this visual underwater when I'm swimming, and if it looks like the perspective of something underwater, like, like sharks, like, like an underwater sea monster, that makes my heart race, that makes my mind run, that makes me sweat, even talking about it now, my palms are getting a little sweaty. I just, it just starts to freak me out. And because I have this fear, and it was just Shark Week, I've heard about all kinds of people's fears over the last, last week in our church. We have someone in our church terrified of mermaids. Did you know that? Someone else is scared of puppets. There's another person that hates clowns. Like we all have these fears, right? These fears that are not reasonable and they're not logical. Listen, if you say you believe in God, if you say that God is all powerful and he has power over nature and he's the creator of the universe and he has a plan for your soul, yet you let the circumstances of this life cause you anxiety and fear, your fear is not logical. It does not line up with your beliefs. I should have no fear of sharks in a swimming pool, yet I do. That doesn't make sense. That's about as crazy as a Christian fearing the circumstances of this world when we say we believe in God. Because if God's got it, we don't need to be like the disciples freaking out in the boat, we can be like Jesus himself, at calm, at peace. We can say, be calm, my soul. He made the storms be still, and the waves and the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. Let them thank the Lord. You see, in Psalm 107, we learn that our spirit should not be a spirit of fear for what could happen to us, but of thankfulness that God is with us even in the storm. What's your storm? What's your fear? If God can calm the winds and the waves, he can care for you and your concern. As you share with, your, with us your response on your connection cards, I want to encourage you, if you're willing to, share your fear with us. Share that thing that you're anxious about. Share that thing that causes your mind to race and your, your palm to sweat. Not just the phobia, but the thing that actually genuinely tests your faith. For me, it would be connected to my family and my kids. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to follow God? Are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be safe when they're traveling apart from me? Can I put them in the hands of God? Can I allow myself to rest comfortably even when their future is uncertain? What might it be for you? Let's thank God together. Let's get to the place where our spirits can be grateful, not anxious, because God is the God who calms storms. The story goes on to say this, Then the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? They in this moment saw Jesus for who he was, not just a creation in the universe, but a creator of the universe. If you're skeptical about God, if you have any questions about your faith, here's one of the greatest uh, philosophical questions that we all have to answer. Where did life come from? Where, where does existence come from? And whether you lean towards evolution or creation, we still have the same question. In the beginning of the beginning, there was something. Where did that something come from? There has to be something outside of time, outside of matter, outside of substance that is over it all that's now directing existence into being. 
And that is God. If there was such a God, if there was such a being outside of all of this and over all of this, then he would, as the creator, as the designer, have power over that creation. Jesus in this moment displayed power that no man has. And the disciples marveled. They were awestruck, jaws picked up off of the ground. He, Jesus, is the Messiah. He is God in flesh. He does have power over nature himself. Nature must follow Jesus. And story number one, if the winds and waves obey Jesus, so should I. Now, everything that he says matters. Every rule that he sets down should be followed. Every danger he says to avoid, we should avoid. Everything that he says makes us stronger and better should be brought into our lives to make us stronger and better. We don't look at him as a lunatic. We don't see him as a liar. We understand that he is Lord. Are you fully convicted that you should obey the words of Jesus? Those Sermon on the Mount, crazy words. Those forgive your brother words, those love your neighbor words, those believe in God's words, those build the church words, those don't, the Ten Commandments words, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie. Do you, do you hold on to these things? Do you count worship of this God then to be precious? Glorify me whenever therefore you eat or drink, do all in the name of the Lord. For the glory of God, is that your heart? Is that your passion? If the winds and, and waves obey Jesus, so should I. Man, what a powerful story. The second story that immediately follows then shifts from nature, from the natural to the supernatural. And we learn that the spiritual realm also follows Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 28, we see story two about the demons and the pigs. We could call it demons and swine. So what happened in this story? Well, as Jesus crossed over Galilee, he came to the other side. He entered into the new land, the land of the Gardenans, and two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs so fierce that nobody could pass that way. Here's, here's an incredible thing at the very beginning of the story. Imagine Jesus getting off the boats. The disciples just saw him do something incredible. They finished their journey. They come to this new land, and two demon-possessed men come out of the cemetery, right? That's creepy, and they're so crazy that nobody can walk past that way. Here's, here's the assumption in the beginning of this story that they, Matthew gives no explanation of. Two demon-possessed men seems to be a normal part of conversation. He didn't stop and explain that. He didn't go into detail about it. He just stated it as a simple matter-of-fact thing. Like, two men with hats decided to show up. Oh, I guess hats exist. Well, if you're like me, you've probably got all kinds of questions about what's going on here? What's up with demons and demon possession and the spiritual realm? And, and what does Jesus have to do with any of this stuff? Is are demons and angels real? Are ghosts real? Are monsters real? Right now we're, now we're going down a really huge rabbit hole. So what I did in trying to understand this question, knowing that you would probably have some questions, we've gotten some good questions in our card about this stuff, is I want to take a moment and let you understand what this word means and how it's best understood in Scripture. These two men were demon-possessed. In the original Greek, you have this word, which I know this is all Greek to you. 
You have this word that is translated in this passage, demon-possessed. What this word is, if you, if you line it up, it's the word demonizomai, right? That's, that's, a, that's a handful. Everybody say demonizomai. Demonizomai. You start saying that over and over and over again, like, uh, like uh, balderdash or whatever, and all of a sudden you start realizing it sounds a lot like our word demonized. And if you would take an English word that most paralleled demonizai, or however you say it, this demonized would probably be the most accurate, the most uh, complete. And there's not any word that's truly uh, 100% accurate in this case. So this word demonized, if you put it here, it's probably, in my opinion, a better translation for this phrase. And I would read it this way. They came into the country of the Galdeans and two demonized men met him. A lot of times we look at demon possession and we think that there is a, a spiritual practice where demons overtake bodies and they run us like a remote control runs a car. I don't think that's what's likely happening here. And I don't think that's what's likely happening in similar cases in other parts of the Bible. More likely is this is a high level of demonization. This is a high level of influence that Matthew was saying, hey, the spiritual realm exists. And in Matthew's day, they all accepted it. And these two men were highly influenced, were highly affected by demons, where it was probably causing them to go crazy, to be mad and to be upset. And they might hear voices. They might repeat what those voices are saying. And they might be totally totally out of their right minds because of this, this deep demonization that was taking place. So when these men came out of the, uh, or excuse me, now in our day and age, as we're trying to understand this, let's just look at one recent survey that asked the question, can people be physically healed by a supernatural God? In other words, if you answer yes to this question, you have some belief in the supernatural. Do people today believe or not believe in the supernatural? Well, 33% of all adults strongly agreed that God could heal people supernaturally. 33% somewhat agreed. 66% had a firm belief in the supernatural in this survey. Then there was uh, roughly 44% of the people out there who didn't believe that they could be supernaturally healed by God. Maybe they don't believe in anything supernatural at all. There is a, a larger percentage of people today who believe in the supernatural than do not. We tend to go around and think that most people don't believe in anything supernatural. But when you think about it, everyone who has a religion, everyone who has a faith in a life in an afterlife has a supernatural belief. Everyone who believes in uh, uh, fortune tellers, everyone who believes in Bigfoot, everybody who believes in aliens, you start thinking about different things that happen and people are accepting the reality that there might be stuff out there that we can't explain. They might hold a belief in ghosts or the paranormal. When you start putting all of those people together and lumping them into people who believe in supernatural things, there's a very high percentage of people who believe in supernatural, uh, in the supernatural. Now, here's, here's what's good and here's what's bad about that. Why do some people not believe in a spiritual realm? Some people don't believe in a spiritual realm because they've accepted a natural worldview. What's a natural worldview? Natural worldview is that what we can see, touch, taste, and feel is all that exists. 
what we can prove by science, what we can prove by observation alone, what we can test and retest is what is reality. In a naturalistic worldview, we are all that we are. We, we, are human, we are humans. It is up to us. This is the only life that you get. This naturalistic worldview is the high academic view of our day. This is the view that most uh, many would take in academia. This would be a view that many would take in philosophy. Not everyone. And so because this is taught, because this is widely accepted, and because if you don't believe in the natural and only the natural, you're seen as strange or uneducated, this has become a predominant reason why most people don't, why not, why most people, while there are people who don't believe in the spiritual realm at all. The second reason people don't believe in the spiritual realm is simply because of fear. Listen, it's freaky to believe in the spiritual realm. It's the kind of stuff that keeps you up at night. It's the thing that they write horror movies about, right? And they can't come up with all kinds of different ways to take advantage of the supernatural to try to scare us. And it's easier to say, no, that's real. I don't want to be scared of it. There are no monsters under my bed. There's nothing hiding and creeping in my closet that, that can possibly hurt me or harm me. Therefore, I don't believe in any of it. And now I'm safe. Whew, it doesn't exist. So do monsters exist? Are ghosts real? Is there a supernatural or not supernatural? When it comes to the Bible and what the Bible says, monsters under your bed are not real. There are not creepy uh, sea monsters uh, flowing under the sea. There are no such things as ghosts. We know where spirits go. We know where we go after we die. God has simply said, uh, openly told us what the plan is after death. But there are angels and demons. There is God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a spiritual realm that's alive and well, and it's got good and evil present at the same time. So why is it good to believe in a supernatural spiritual realm? Well, there's more than just this life. And that's really good news. There's more than just this ordinary life. I remember years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine named Mike. Mike had just graduated college, and he had just gotten through working as hard as he possibly could to get through college, paying his bills. And he was kind of in that in-between time where he graduated from college, and he was kind of setting up his own life. And I remember he looked up and he said, Josh, is is this it? Is this this life? I mean, am I just going to get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed? get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed. And am I just going to repeat that cycle over and over again, hopefully getting a couple of vacations in, maybe rooting on my favorite sports team, maybe hopefully finding love someday, just to get up, go to work, eat dinner, go to bed, do it all again the next day? Is is there anything more? Listen, if, if you believe in a naturalistic worldview, that's all there is. That's all you've got. How can I make getting up, my job, what I eat, and how I sleep better? That's all you can hope for. But when you believe in a spiritual realm, when you believe in a God of this universe, there is so much more than this prudential life, to quote Bell. There's so much more than this ordinary life out there. It's so much bigger than us. It's so much greater than us. It's so much grander than us. There's a God of this universe who has knit all things together. And there's a realm beyond our life 
There is, there is existence beyond the everyday ordinary toil that is special, that is amazing, that is awesome, and that is powerful. There's purpose and meaning beyond surviving and just having fun. There's hope then for tomorrow. Not just for tomorrow as the next day, but what's next in my life. For this life and for eternal life. There's a spiritual reality called heaven and new heaven and new earth that I get to be a part of. Where we get to experience all of this in perfect harmony. In a wonderful and amazing way. And we then realize that we have to fight the true battle. You know, if we ignore the spiritual realm, if we ignore the spiritual battle that's raging, raging around us, we are stepping out of the true, the, the true battle. We're stepping out of the true war, and we may not find victory over those things that we want desperately to have victory over us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Be ready, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We are fighting a spiritual battle. We have to be ready for that spiritual battle. And if you're facing any kind of oppression, listen, I'm not a spooky guy. I'm not a guy that sees Satan in every misfortune, in every storm, and in every sneeze. Not at all. I believe there's natural reasons for our brokenness that cause us to do awful things. But Satan and demons, are the, the evil realm, the evil forces are alive and well. And they influence you. They demonize you. They, they want you to go the wrong way. They are actively pursuing you to be distant from God and to not know him. If you're finding yourself slipping deeper and deeper into addiction, if you're finding yourself repeating that same sin that you thought you would never, never do again, if you find yourself just constantly listening to the message about being frustrated and raising the importance of the, the things of this world over the things of God's world, well, all of that could be this heavenly battle that's happening. And you need to be ready to fight this battle. Ephesians goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of truth, that we can fight this war. We have got some incredibly good news. When it comes to the spiritual realm, Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the leader of this spiritual realm. Watch what happens in the rest of the story. When these two men came up to Jesus, they cried out, What have you to do with us, Son of God? What an incredible moment. These, this spiritual realm acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. Listen, if this is the only time that, that he was called the Son of God, we might take it with a grain of salt. I'm not going to believe what demons tell me, right? But they, out of genuine fear, out of genuine respect, out of genuinely recognizing the presence of this person walking off the boat who calmed that storm, said, this is Jesus, the Son of God. Have you come here to torment us before the time? What's the time? Revelation chapter 12, 12 and Revelation chapter 20, 14. Write those down in your journal. Talk about the time where the devil and his demons will be cast into the lake of fire, an eternal torment reserved for the devil and his followers. They know that their time is short and that their time is set. They know who has authority over them. So in this story, they come out and they, they see Jesus and he, he's not here to torment them before their time. And he says, they say to him, if you're going to cast us out, at least cast us out in those pigs over there, into that herd of swine. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus said to them, go. So they went. 
The spiritual realm must obey Jesus. They went to the pigs and because the whole herd rushed uh, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bankment into the sea and drowned in the waters. Now, why did Jesus send the demons into the pig? Why did the pigs have to die? I don't have an answer to you for that one. That one seems strange to me. There's, some, there's something going on here. Yes, Jesus is in charge of nature. He's in charge of the pigs. Yes, he's in charge of the spiritual realm. And in this moment, he allowed those pigs to be sacrificed so that those men could be freed. And if you are uh, an animal activist, you are probably horrified in this moment that those pigs had to die. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's one of the most tragic situations in all the Bible. And I can't believe that anybody would allow these pigs to be harmed in any way, shape, or form. I do not support the harming of pigs at Branch Life Church. Now, as we move on with the rest of the story, here's what happened. Behold, the city came out to meet Jesus. These are all the people that couldn't walk that way. Always present. They're always crazy. You didn't take your kids that way. It wasn't safe. And when the city came out, they saw Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. What a reaction. They were all of a sudden afraid of Jesus because of the power that he displayed. Because they lost their pigs. But because he was something more than just a man. Here's a powerful truth from this passage. If the spiritual realm must obey, must obey Jesus so must I. Listen, obeying Jesus is not optional. Obeying Jesus, for, for those of us that are on a spiritual journey and we're wrestling between, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. We can't sit here and give any credence to going with what's wrong. If you're a teenager here and you are, you are uh, making plans to disobey your parents, you may not. You cannot. You, it's not just a should. You must not allow that to happen. You must not let yourself be convinced. You must not let yourself be influenced that deliberately choosing to do the thing that God says not to do is okay because it never is. Listen, the creator of the universe has designed us to live our most perfect life. He's designed us to, and he's created us and he's made us to live a life abundant and to have life eternal. And so we must be ready and the plan must be to obey Jesus. Listen, I have a plan if I get attacked by a shark. I know this is crazy, but if, if a shark is going to attack me, what I plan to do is to immediately pass out. I'm going to pass out completely and wholly, and if I'm not passed out all the way, I'm going to stick my head underwater and suck in as much water as possible. Why? Because I'm going to go before that shark can get me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just running to the next life. Yeah, I, I know that's a coward's way out, but in that moment, that's my plan. That, that's the plan that I have. Now, hopefully you have a better plan. The disciples, they didn't have a plan for their fear. When something that came up to them and they didn't know what to do, they just kind of freaked out. And listen, listen, the storms of this life freak us out and we need to be ready. So what should your plan be? What should your plan be for these storms? It, it shouldn't be stupid like my plan. It shouldn't be no plan like the disciples had. It should be the plan that says, I'm going to follow Jesus. 
I'm going to obey him, I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to follow him through this storm. I'm going to realize that there's another in the fire when I have Jesus with me. I'm going to lean in on my prayer. I'm going to lean in on my faith when life hurts and when it's painful. And I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and follow Jesus. That's our plan. Are you ready? Are you ready to fight this battle and to follow Jesus? Don't let the storms of this life take you by surprise. In this world, you will have trouble. So be ready. Be ready and plan to follow Jesus. And the third and final story, which is is an amazing way to wrap up these these stories, is about the sinner who follows Jesus. In Matthew 9, verse 1 and 8, we hear the the story of the paraplegic. The story of the paraplegic is this, this young man who wasn't able to walk. He wasn't able to move his arms. He was completely lame. He was brought to Jesus by his friends. The, the friends were hoping that Jesus would heal this paraplegic, and Jesus looked down at this, this man, and, and he said to him something that surprised the entire crowd. When he saw the paraplegic, he didn't immediately say to him, you are healed. He said to him first, your sins are forgiven. Now, everybody who was in the crowd was kind of looking around like, why, why is Jesus forgiving his sins? Why is he talking to him about forgiveness of sins when, when they came to, to heal his legs? came so that he could walk again. And the, the religious leaders that were there that saw all this happen went, what, 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 what? Who does he think he is? He can't forgive sins. He doesn't have the authority to forgive anyone their sins. Only God has the authority to forgive them their sins. Now, think about the stories that we just came through. He calmed the sea. He commands the spiritual realm and they obey. Do you not think that this Jesus is that God who holds this authority? In answering that objection, Jesus says to the leaders, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? That's a powerful comparison. It is harder to be forgiven for your sins than it is to do the miracle of healing the lame. Now, they're all standing around there going, oh, if if you could make someone who's lame walk again, well, well then then you could forgive someone the sins. If If you can do that incredible miracle, which nobody can do, maybe you have the authority that God has given you to, to heal sins. It is, it is harder to cause someone to rise and walk than to say you're forgiven. So, then that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. How do we know Jesus is the one who can forgive us our sins? He says to the paraplegic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and he went home, healed, a healed body and a forgiven soul. You see, Jesus, who is over nature, Jesus, who is over the spiritual realm, is the only one that can save our souls. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid much like the crowds by the pigs, but they glorified God who had given such authority to man. Jesus was the man who can save your soul. So what do we do with this? We trust Jesus. Be calm, be ready, trust Jesus. Only Jesus has the authority, who has the authority over the natural and the supernatural can save your soul. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you come to that moment where you said, I am now a follower of Jesus. I'm not following the naturalistic worldview. I'm not following my own way. I am now putting my faith and trust 
in Jesus as God, in Jesus as the creator, in Jesus as the ruler of the waves and the seas, as Jesus as the ruler of heaven and earth, of Jesus as the forgiver of my sins. If you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, just like this crowd, we want to invite you to join the crowd and follow Jesus. You can do that simply by saying a prayer today. The prayer itself doesn't save you, but the belief behind it does. Tell Jesus that, you, that you're sorry for your sin and you want him to ask him for forgiveness. He is the only one that has the power to forgive your sins. Ask him, uh, tell him you believe he died and rose on the cross for your sins and that you want to accept the free gift of salvation, that you want to become a follower of Jesus. If today you've done that, we want to encourage you to let us know. And you can do that and find more information at the gospel tab at branchlife.church. If you have any questions about your own salvation, you can go here, read more, watch the video that we have on that. And also on this tab, you can respond. You can let us know that today you decided to be a follower of Jesus. We would love to celebrate that. Uh, Even if you don't choose to tell us your name, but just tell us that you made that decision, that's awesome as well. We'd love to know that today you decided to become a follower of Jesus. Well, we have these three stories as we sum up our thoughts for the day. And, and what are the morals of these stories? Why have they they've been told one after another by Matthew? The story of the wind and the waves, the demons and the pigs and the sinners. Well, here's the moral of the stories. Fear is natural, but faith is supernatural. Fear is natural. We all have fear. We all have horrible things that we, we uh, think about that, that dominate our minds and our emotions. And that fear is natural, but faith is supernatural. So how do I have my faith overcome my fear? It must be through a supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can give us the ability to have faith over fear. Only Jesus allows us to do those things that we would never be able to do in and of ourselves. How can we be calm in a storm? How can we bravely tell other people about Jesus Christ? How can we have confidence when everybody else in the world is is concerned and anxious? We can have all of those things supernaturally through a relationship in Jesus. Listen, if you're allowing fear to dominate your life, if you're allowing fear to, to control your choices and your decisions, then you are being controlled by the natural world. We want to allow faith, a supernatural faith in Jesus to, to control us and to overcome our fear. When you have faith over fear, you're able to sleep at night. When you have faith over fear, you're able to have confidence in the moment. You're able to have joy. You're able to love others and you're able to serve those who cannot help themselves. You see, why is it an amazing thing to have Christians present during the storm? Because Christians can be confident when everyone else is panicked. And in our quiet confidence, we can help and serve others. Listen, fear is natural. We all have it. But faith is amazing and it's supernatural, a gift from God. So be calm, be ready, trust Jesus. And can I just say this? Just don't be crazy. Just don't be crazy. Because we have faith doesn't mean we have to become stupid. And Jesus tells us this over and over and over again. I just want to share you this this proverb. He tells us to be wise in the book of Proverbs. And it says this, the prudent sees danger and hides. Yeah, there are going to be things that we're going to have to avoid. There's precautions that we're going to have to take. There's recommendations that we're going to have to follow. And that is okay for a Christian to do. We don't stand out in the middle of a lightning storm and say, I am not scared of lightning because I am a Christian. That's 
crazy. God says, I gave you a brain, I gave you eyes, I gave you a lightning warning system, I put thunder next to it so you would know not to go outside. I'm telling you, don't stand out in a storm. We don't put ourselves in the way of danger purposefully and then declare ourselves to have some magic force field that helps us avoid the same danger that everyone else is facing. No, the simple keep going and suffer for it. So trust God. Be calm, have confidence, but just don't be crazy. So what are the areas in life that you're most afraid? What are those things that, that come to mind where you think about, I, I wish I could conquer this anxiety. Maybe for you, it's life after death. I wish I didn't fear death. I just, I didn't have any fear of death. How do I solve and conquer that fear? You put your faith in Jesus. Maybe for you, it's sharing your faith with someone else. I'm scared to talk to other people about Jesus. I'm scared to, to invest in them. I'm, I'm scared about what they're going to say and what they're going to do and what they're going to think. How do, I, how do I put my faith over my fear? Well, you trust in Jesus. You trust in Him to lead you, to the Spirit to guide you in the words to say. And you just faithfully serve. Put the invitation out and, and conquer your fear. Maybe it's a decision that you have to make and you're just paralyzed if I'm going to make the wrong decision or the right decision. If you prayerfully ask for wisdom, God promises to give you that wisdom. You can rest in that knowledge of who God is. So what is it for you that's causing you the most fear in this life? And how can you put faith over fear this week? The more specific you get, the better. So we want to encourage you on your response card to either give us some comments, some feedback about what you learned today, to respond with the answers to these questions, or to ask us questions that you might have. And maybe in our next teaching time or in some other format, we might be able to answer some of those questions. We've been getting some great questions. And if you'd like to see some of those answered in our email uh, newsletter, make sure that we have your email on that connection card. You can fill it out anytime at branchlife.church. We hope that today has been an encouragement with you. And that you can know that your fears, no matter what they are, can be conquered. We want to invite you to join us next week as we dive deeper into our Follow Along series. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time.